friends, it's Kevin, and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. I don't always give the tagline, but today it feels absolutely appropriate because today I'm getting to share space with Morgan Harper Nichols, a literal, just an earth angel, earth angel. I'm super excited to share um, her this conversation with you and also to just like uh tell you uh i just i don't know i just feel a big shift i can feel it coming in the air tonight hold on phil collins you know what i'm saying that's the shift i'm feeling all over the place so this is like i'm no longer talking about the episode i'm just kind of talking about in my work and also in the way that i see our community forming over the past couple weeks on patreon i've really begun to like see the shape my work is taking with my master class um, with a new offering I have which I'll tell you about probably after the show because I don't want to bore you with that now um, but I'm really really excited about seeing the way that people are tapping into their own healing um, and it's honestly it's people like Morgan who give me a lot of hope that like spiritual community does not have to be strictly one thing and it doesn't always have to like I mean, as you listen to this conversation, you're going to hear exactly what I'm talking about. It, it just fills me with hope. Um, so let me tell you about Morgan. Morgan is a artist, a poet, whose work is inspired by real-life interactions and stories. Morgan spent the first couple of years of her professional life as a college admission counselor, and then as a full-time touring singer-songwriter and musician. And it's on the road that she cultivated her curiosity and passion for writing, art, and design, slowly beginning to share her work online. In 2017, Morgan started a project where she invites people to submit their stories on her website. And from there, she creates art as a response to their stories and sends it to them before sharing the work publicly. All stories and names are kept private, and the fruit of this project is shared daily around social media in publications and in various creative collaborations and installations, such as a wide range of brands, including Coach, Adobe, Vogue Singapore, just to name a few. She's the daughter and author, um, excuse me, I totally, my, wow, my dyslexia really kicked in there. As a designer and author, her work has been available in many stores, including Anthropology, Barnes & Noble, Target. She also has a book out right now called All Along, You Were Blooming. It's available everywhere books are sold right now. She's also on the board of To Write Love on Her Arms. Did you know? I didn't until I read that. Oh, had I known, I would have brought it up. But anyways, in this conversation, um, we talk about a lot of lovely things. And most notably, um, how we're like dealing with pandemic life and how we're like taking care of ourselves. And in this conversation, Morgan shares um, something very personal that she shared recently on the gram. And I won't ruin the surprise or the tear-jerking moment that you're gonna have here, but just, just to let you know, have your tissues ready. So uh, if you're ready for a fun time, come hang out with me and my friend, Morgan Harper Nichols. at a cocktail party post everyone's got vaccines everyone's real chill um and everybody's like down for the movement so you don't gotta worry about like saying anything weird uh so how would you introduce someone comes up to your party like oh my god you look so cool like what do you do what's your thing how do you oh, introduce yourself i like how you asked that i think i would say i'm an artist i 
I, I for some reason I can't say writer. That one feels weird to me. Mm. Even poet, that one, that one's like I'm like poet. Like it, <laughs> it barely comes out. But for some reason, artist, that one, I'm just like I'm an artist. Um, mm. I'm not very good at talking about myself. So. <laughs> Which is interesting. I mean, like I mean, like granted, like your work kind of speaks for your for itself. Like poet, <laughs> artist. Uh, inspiring individual and human. Oh, well, thank you. Because, um, like, you got, uh, I mean, I discovered, I, I can't remember when I started following your work, but just, like, so much of it, I'm like, I need to make that my, my phone background. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so many good words along the way. Um, well, I feel so honored. Thank you. Yeah, I can't remember how I found you either. I think we know, like, mutual peoples. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, Sarah Heath. Yeah, so, like, yes. we're actually, um, she and I are launching a new podcast next month called Ask Your Aunties. I am so excited about it. <laughs> so listen, if you want to come, if you want to come be an honorary auntie and just sure. like give, <laughs> give life advice because we're qualified. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, when I, I think I saw something about you, you all post about doing something together and I was just like, yes, that's a collaboration I would love. So yeah, it's going to be real fun. Yes. So, uh, tell me like, uh. If someone didn't know who you were and you were mm-hmm. saying like, you know, what do you do for monies and and, and coins <laughs> and, you know, what do you do on the daily? Yes. What's your daily oh, life like? Yeah. On the, so I wake up really early. I have I have a little one. So I mm. have to if, if I <laughs> if I want to do anything kind of creative or whatever, I have to start super early. So my days start from around um, anywhere from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. somewhere in there. You, listen, you and... better come dedicated to your craft, mom. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't that that scheduled prior to becoming a parent, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely something that, that that is relatively new. So I, yeah, right now, honestly, it's been a lot of, I'm, I'm very fortunate i consider a huge privilege that i've had the opportunity to have like some collaborations and things come through so it's been a lot of emails lately yeah. <laughs> a lot of waking up just a lot of admin it hasn't been a lot of lighting candles and opening my journal um mm. hasn't been a lot of that past few weeks i'm getting there i'm getting to a little window where i think i'm gonna have a little bit more of that and i'm looking forward to it but at the core of it, I mean, what what kind of lies behind that? It's a lot of digital art, a lot of poetry. I feel like a lot of it kind of falls into those mm-hmm. two categories. Um, occasionally, music things, but mostly yeah. mostly digital art and poetry. And then around noon, I typically I'm done at that point. I mm-hmm. <laughs> I the creative juices are spent. They're done. They're gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point, uh, I I usually at that point I'm I'm with my I'm with my son at that point because I I trade off with my husband. He works he works better afternoon, so that mm-hmm. works out. We're able to kind of switch off. So I'm with him, and then after that, we are. Yeah, I just I try really hard to just let myself be. And during the pandemic, that's been a oh lot God. of watching television. Um, Say that. <laughs> just what being has honest, been, lots of... What is your... Okay, then let's just dive into that real sidebar. What yes. have you been on lately? What's oh, been getting you through? I, uh, WandaVision. I literally... Okay. <laughs> this has been my question. So many people tell me I need to watch it. I'm like, oh, oh I just... Oh, my gosh. I'm a, so afraid of being disappointed because... Oh, that's I was, real. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get that. For me, I'm just... 
Yeah, I just really needed something to dig into. And I've seen I've seen everything they've made, Marvel's made many mm-hmm. times. So I was like, okay, I, I know enough to get into it. So yeah, I, I'll watch an episode then I'll watch like 10 commentary videos after. I'm, I'm really invested. Yo. <laughs> so a lot of that, um, lots of random YouTube videos watching interior designers do things mm-hmm. in their house that i'm never going to actually do dude <laughs> same like, i tell you what i like that wall color <laughs> my tiktok feed is full of like gay abs and people who are redoing their houses you know what i'm saying yeah, <laughs> yeah the the tiktok rabbit hole of interior design is a real oh. one there's some yeah there's some definite definite rabbit holes there <laughs> like i've got some i've actually got some ideas for my house that i'm actually going to try and create oh. like uh, uh like an altar accent wall where it's just like mm. you paint like kind of like an archway yeah. um because like my, all my walls are like this bluish gray so yeah. i'm just gonna put red right there oh i love that i yeah i i think color is color can make a huge difference that's something i'm actually learning i i don't it's weird my my artwork is very colorful but mm-hmm. i as a person am not if that makes sense yeah your aesthetic is more I, like toned yeah down. yeah absolutely so i'm trying to bring more physical color into into our house even um like you can't see it on camera but on the other side of this wall i actually put up some soundproof curtains mm. and i almost <gasps> almost bought the black ones and i bought the yellow ones so i'm looking at like a yellow wall and i'm like mm. i think that does something like on the subconscious level, like yeah. I think, I think that yellow matters. Curtains. I need that because, um, a, I'm I'm building a new desk in my office right now. Mm-hmm. Um, also, being an adult and like purchasing things, like I'm oh. going to purchase myself an office chair oh. and a yeah. desk. It's like I didn't think I would ever drop that much coin on something, oh. but I know it's going to be <laughs> worth it. Um, I still don't have. I am sitting in a. You can't see. I'm sitting in a wooden chair right now. I still because I get online and I look for office desks and. The only ones that look comfortable are the gamer ones, but they're bright red. They're, and I'm like, they're bright red and they're so ugly. <laughs> I will send you, um, I'll send you the link of the one um, my mom bought me for my birthday. It actually turned out to be quite a lovely chair. Um, oh. You know, not even nice. like, you know, super high end stuff. And it was so easy to put together. That's another thing too. Yes. I, as, so like, you know, gay dudes, especially, you know, as a, as a woman, as myself with my nails painted, we get stereotyped as not being handy. But I grew up in my grandpa's house and I was always helping out him with his shit. So I can put together any piece of IKEA <laughs> furniture, anything that comes to the Amazon, I got you. Yes. It's like Legos well, for adults. Yes. Yes. It's like, don't underestimate. You have mm-hmm. no idea. <laughs> oh, man. So, t- so in the pandemic, um, I know that for many of us, at least I'll speak for myself, is like, especially at first there was this like really big push i'm like okay so we're gonna be at home so we have to like we have all this time to improve ourselves yeah um did you fall into any traps like that of just like oh my god i have to do i have to do or oh goodness what's been your experience right so far yeah that's such a good question so um we're actually recording this at a very interesting time in my life um Mm. i kind of had like like, you know, those moments of life where you're like, oh, yeah, if my life were a movie, that 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 scene would be in there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a big one. Um, like a so, big shift moment. Yeah, I had a big one like that this past weekend. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to your question. But I I just got diagnosed with autism. Huh. And I it's been a long time coming. I and it's something I've been really afraid of, honestly, mm. of really digging into 
and the pandemic forced me to go there. Yeah. Um, I had been overextending myself for years, um, mm. just feeling honestly so much shame about yeah. who I felt like I had to be in the world. Um, like basic tasks are difficult for me. I mean, mm -hmm. answering emails, um, remembering the toaster setting for the bagel, like just really simple things that, mm -hmm. and I would, I'm aware of it. And then I would go, you need to get yourself together. Like you need to know mm -hmm. these things. And the specialist that I was working with looked at me and gave me my diagnosis, which was very long, <laughs> lots of mm -hmm. detail. Um, I found out that it was a lot more severe than I thought, even though I figured that I probably was autistic. I found out it was a lot more severe than I thought. Hmm. And at the end of it, she said, um, and it's not your fault. And mm. I just, I like lost it. I, I just mm -hmm. started crying and it was just years of just shame mm. and expectation just like shedding off. Yeah. Because, because I knew yeah. it was like this thing that like, I thought something was wrong with me, but it has a name and it's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, this, this past year of, forced me to look at that it was literally a tiktok video that <laughs> sent me down this journey listen you I better come not. through the listen the ministry of tiktok is real it is very real so that that's that's what happened i i ended up on a video about how just the way that you know autism looks in adults the way it looks in women it gets so misdiagnosed and there's just so much there's so much that is misunderstood about it and I just felt like they were explaining my whole life because I, I I love being an artist and I love what I do. However, I've always struggled with like the social aspect of it. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't really have a good gauge of like, okay, like this person commented DMs like, okay, respond, respond this way. Like, but that might be too much. Oh, that might be too little. Like I have like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, there's so many aspects, even in the digital space that I get yeah. really confused by. And I, it was during the pandemic where it was the first time where I didn't have anything on my schedule and I was able to just be at home. And I was like, wow, I'm actually sleeping through the night. Hmm. Um, I thought that the reason why I wasn't sleeping through the night, I was like, oh, I just became a parent. I, you know, I'm, hmm. I'm busy. I have work. I have all these things. And now all that was taken away. And I was like, wow, I'm sleeping through the night. I was like, I actually don't, my back doesn't hurt in the morning. Hmm. I'm like, why do I actually feel somewhat at ease? Um, hmm. Come on. All that extra stimuli, it was just gone and it wasn't there. So I've, yeah, it's been a, um, it's, yeah, it's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was for me, it, I went into, I mean, I saying like I went into, like I chose to go into the pandemic. I did it. Obviously mm -hmm. no one did, but I came into this like. I mean, I was trying to get to Mars. Like, I was <laughs> like, can you send me off with a rover? Like anything is better than right now. I know. Let me I go know. search Mars for life. Is, Mars is looking pretty good right now. I'm not going to lie. Actually, onto TikTok again. I started following some accounts that just like document Mars <laughs> videos, That's dope. videos of Mars. And I'm just like, okay, Morgan, literally come back to earth. Like you're not. You can't even afford to get to Mars. <laughs> you can't afford. <laughs> Damn, that's oh, that's just, that that hurts me too. It's like even if you wanted to, you can't fucking afford it. I'm like, you know what? In a, in a li listen, in Bernie Sanders' Socialist America, if I want to fucking go to Mars, there's going to be a program, and I'm going to be able to sign up for. It. I might yes, be waitlisted. Yeah, I I believe I believe Bernie Bernie may may Bernie would make that. <laughs> yeah, 
that's a, that's it's like listen when we interview him when he's running for whatever next time we'll just yeah. be like we have this desire let's talk about it can you please make it happen <laughs> we need uh, this yeah. but yeah why was the time oh yeah sorry, sorry we got on space but that was oh, my bad no i i love it i am i again finding out that i have autism i'm not linear my conversations are like four thousand mm-hmm. directions at once but um yeah I, I feel like so all that started happening um when i saw those tiktok videos it literally mm-hmm. happened right after last summer which was another huge just turning point mm-hmm. of really struggling with how to be a black person on the internet with a platform and mm-hmm. just feeling like there was just so much pressure i felt so much pressure to mm. be an educator and be an encourager and i'm just like y'all i don't Oof. feel like being that right now like i'm upset because i feel like these conversations that are happening are things that james baldwin and the likes wrote about <laughs> way right. before now i'm like this isn't this this conversation should have happened a long time ago and just feeling yeah, uh, the conversation's of, been happening too yeah exactly yeah and it's just like now it's just kind of trendy to listen. <laughs> and I just, I, I felt a lot of anger. I, I didn't feel a lot of grace. I didn't feel a lot of, you know, I think a lot of what I share definitely does have a lot of peaceful, graceful mm-hmm. tones to it. But beneath the literal layers of that, I'm just like, I'm angry. <laughs> yes. And I also like, don't want to talk to y'all about it because <laughs> I'm angry. So mm-hmm. it was, it was a lot of, um, I was like, man, like I thought 2020 was going to be like everyone else, a completely different year. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to just be working on projects and teaching classes and all of these things. And it's like, now I feel like I'm literally having to look in the mirror and face all these different parts of myself that honestly it just feels super uncomfortable and i'm not sure i'm ready to go there but i'm also just sitting at home every day so i guess i have to go there yeah it's like it's like i don't have to to distract me i know i mean eventually we will watch everything on netflix you will smoke all your weed and then what will you have it's like you, you, you know, have yourself like that's that's for room. me it's just like, that's really it for me it's just like kevin it's okay to be sad but at the end of it all maybe you need to go do some yoga maybe you need to drink some water <laughs> i think that for me that's what i think i've solidified this during this time is because i cannot go and be and distract and because i cannot schedule the way i want to mm-hmm. and because i it's like it was a lot of the same things for me. Like my thing I'm learning right now is like, I'm also kind of incredibly lonely than I, more than I ever thought. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's um, being a public person sometimes, wow, I have emotions coming out of my eyes right now. I can feel it. But there is a little bit of, like you said, the pressure to be the encourager and be, you know, the best version of yourself and like shine your light so that everybody can see um when really it's just like oh man i am tired and sad and mad and i don't feel like processing it publicly but i also don't want to process it ever so what do i do yes yeah yeah and i don't know if you've had this experience but i i feel like you know loneliness Mm. is there's some stigma in that yeah that's not like a 
I feel like we have some things where it's like, if you say like, oh, I, I deal with anxiety. It's like, okay, I, I don't know. For that one, I feel like we have, but loneliness is kind of hard, mm-hmm. at least for me. Like I, I can say I'm anxious, but to say I'm lonely, that feels like a, I don't it's know. like a it moral like failing another, in some way. Yeah, because there's so many structures in our society that are just centered on how social part- you can be. Yeah. <laughs> how to, how, not just how, how social you can be, but how to partner yourself. Oh, like, yeah. That's like yeah. the like uh, I was talking to somebody about this, like um, how like soaked in like white heteronormativity American culture is and we don't even realize it. And among those things is that this idea of like partnership being indicative of the good life, TM. Yeah. And while it is a blessing to have a partner, I am sure can't relate, honestly. But you know, uh, that's not true. I actually had a partner at one time. He was wonderful for a time as well, and I was also wonderful. And then we were both very bad to each other. <laughs> so, oh. well, anyways, so you're still wonderful. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not a bad person. I just did a lot of bad <laughs> shit. You know, that's that's like. I, th- I think it's yeah, another thing. Is like, that's that's your self awareness. Not not everybody has the ability to say that. I think that's huge. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's it took a, it took a while. Um, yeah, and I think one of the things I had to pan- like panic, I had to tackle when I was like alone. Um, two things happened. Um, <laughs> one back in May before I moved um, into my new place. I got really really sick and had to go to the hospital. But like it's COVID time, so literally like. Mm. I can't ask somebody to go with me. Like uh, they won't even yeah. let them in. So there's no point. So I have to go as like, you know, a 31 year old, you know, human yeah. feeling like a very young person. Like I, by the time I got to the hospital the first time, I didn't realize I wandered into the children's clinic on the oh, wrong no. side of the street, <laughs> but I was shaking and I had a hundred and like three fever and they're like, oh shit, we need to like get you in there. Yeah. And then also like they drove me in an ambulance to the the other side of the street to the adult ER and then they charged me $2000 for it because it was out of my network. I'm just like, I could have walked. <laughs> just put that put that, you know, give me the bag, I'll hold it up. No. Um oh my and then uh and so I got, I cried a lot over that because just like the feeling of like just having to do it alone again. Uh and then earlier this week something that reminded me of it. Uh I lost so I had my <laughs> My barista wanted to meet my dog. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go just go scoop my dog out of the car. And somehow between scooping my dog and turning around, my keys and my phone got locked in my car with my dog and coffee in hand. I'm like, this is my nightmare. This is oh this is how today is going to do. And so my barista friend like drove me home because I live pretty close to the shop. And I had to get a Google number, get on my iPad. And because Texas was frozen over, the folks at Ajira oh, who like managed no. my my roadside assistance account couldn't get me a, a thing assigned. And then three different people later and six and a half hours later, it gets resolved. And in the middle of it, I tried to do yoga. I tried to feel better. <sighs> and then I just started crying and I called my friend Rachel and I'm just like, I just don't want to do this on my own. I just want to call someone and say, babe, I locked my keys in my car. Can you come get yeah. me? As, and that like is a such a normal feeling and i felt mm. so bad about i wouldn't let it in mm. i wouldn't let that yeah. feeling of just like i'm so sick of being alone and having to do this on my own that's not a bad thing and i can do it yeah it just would be like you know just being able to say yeah it would be nice and i want that yeah. so universe i'm fucking ready bt dubs if you're listening <laughs> like but i'm like, learning the, the, my lessons <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm learning my lesson i swear yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> please don't make me do that again by myself. Um, no, but that's, I think that's like maybe, and maybe that's the lesson in it is like, I could do this all by myself. Mm. And that's kind of like a delicious karma maybe. Yeah. But um, the loneliness thing, I didn't know how to bring it up. I didn't know how to talk about it until I just was like brought to the boiling point of just like, I don't know why I'm crying, but I just need to cry apparently. And it's um, just being able to acknowledge my feelings and just be okay. Like, you know, I'm, I feel like there is a residual, what does someone, my therapist called it an ambient depression that this world is feeling right now. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's ambient. And another word that I, oh, I'm forgetting it. <laughs> I forgot what I was about to say. It's fine. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the, another word that just came to me now is just, it's very ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um just losses you can't name because we've never there there are no language for these losses like that mm-hmm. is um that is very because i mean even if you took it from like just a strictly intellectual point and you're like okay mm-hmm. let me go find some poems from another pandemic it's like well that's not even precisely the same because we have this whole other layer called the internet which is just like it's its own character in the story like <laughs> that is own, the like, damn that, truth. It is, it's like simultaneously like 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 an angel that connects you with people and also thanos and it's just <laughs> like it's like how do you even <laughs> like there's no poems for that like there's no 19th century there's nothing <laughs> to- <laughs> i had to mute because i was like inhaling with such a disgusting inhale because i'm still laughing about at thanos wow (laughs) that's true yeah there's no poetry for that there's no reference and Mm. yeah and and honestly even as someone who is what some may call a poet (laughs) i'm like i don't want to be the one to write poems about that like i want to read some about it i don't Mm. i don't want to write poems about this i don't I don't want to go there and it's right but yeah it's something that i oh, i do find myself thinking about because i mean unfortunately i've lost people in this time same um i and yeah it's just like man i can't even go to funerals like yeah it's just yeah it's different and and i don't know what to make of it and i just try to give myself like some kind of grace to say you may not know what to say for 10 years. Like, honestly. You know and what? That's, <laughs> that's like... Mm, we might not know what to say for 10 years. Give it. Uh, let's give ourselves that time. Yeah. So I think it was... Um, I'm one of those girls who really loves the writings and teachings of Ram Dass. And... Something he said in like one of his talks is just like people come to me and says, well, how do I get over the suffering of grief? And he's like, well, you grieve and then you grieve some more. And when it comes back again, you grieve some more Mm. and you just keep letting it go. Mm. And that to me has just kind of spoken to me. It's just like grieve and grieve some more and just. (sighs) Yeah, it's um, it's I don't know why this of all when you just said that why this is like I have these moments where I, I'm trying to lean into it and not reject it where someone mm. will say something and I'm just like a very spatial person and I'll literally go back to like a moment in my life and I'm like why why am I in that room like what does that mean but I'll mm. just go with it yeah and not and not like overthink <laughs> over yeah. to overthink it but 
I had this moment when I had this really random opportunity to go to a country music radio. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> radio I, I don't mean to I know, giggle. It is a left turn. Like I just went there. I, that's why I was like, "Why this story?" Ready. But um, yeah, it was it was at the Ryman in Nashville, so it's just like pinnacle like country life moment. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I was probably like one of five black people in there, if that. <laughs> well, let me not even be that generous. Like maybe five <laughs> minorities in there. Not specifically um, black people, and like three of them were on, on staff, like you know, passing yeah, the drinks. Probably exactly. It's yeah, fine. very true. I don't. I still. I'm trying to remember how I even got there. I don't know, but um, there's artist Chris Stapleton, and he he sang this song, um, "Daddy Doesn't Pray Anymore," and the whole song is just about his father grieving mm. and not praying anymore. Hmm. And this song was like smashed in between kind of like, like kind of your bro country. Like, it was just like in between all of that. And in that moment, after he sang that song, and I mean, I look around that room and it was, you know, a bunch of suits, a bunch of like radio executives. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a word like people. Wow. It was it was a quiet moment. And I just remember in that moment thinking, we don't have because right after that moment everyone clapped and went on to the next song it, that little moment was probably like 0.2 seconds of, of silence where it was just like oh dang what was that mm -hmm. i was like we don't have places in our society to let that thing happen like there you go like that whether no matter what your relationship is with, with, with your parents like mm -hmm. the the energy of that song we all felt it uh, mm -hmm. we all have either been there or we know have been close to someone in our life where we have watched them grieve to the point of silence and they mm -hmm. just they can't and it's like yeah we all felt that collectively together and then we had to move on and yeah i guess that's why that story came to me yeah. <laughs> i was just like and it's like now we're at a point where like we can't move on. Like we are literally yeah. forced to stay in a a moment, to, uh, a year long pause for those of yeah. us who actually started quarantining. Yeah. And, you I know. know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oof. I am a I am a a day oneer of lockdown. early adopter. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> I am. I, I took it very seriously and still do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it's just even for me as someone who gratefully has spaces and and. Yeah. lovely therapists who remind me it's okay to grieve even for me it still feels wrong to grieve for prolonged <sighs> periods of time yes and um i you know so i i write a lot for people who are grieving i mean it's a huge part of what i do because i i invite mm -hmm. people to share their stories with me and a lot of times they are like having to do with some kind of capital l loss in their life like a big loss mm. so i write a lot about like take time to heal, like take time, like feel what you need to feel. And I got this comment one time from someone and they were like, okay, yeah, that's great and all, but eventually people need to move on and they need to like take responsibility for it. And I was just like, you know, I responded, I was like, if that's your journey, then great. But I'm not, with all due respect, I'm not writing to you. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm writing to the people who don't even have the permission to feel the thing in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, because I think it's way more of those people. And um, it starts there too. It starts yeah. like, like because emotions are felt in the body and mm -hmm. um, 
words are physical, tangible things. And so when we speak them out loud or we write them down, they become objects which can then affect something in the physical. So like, that's what poetry does is it brings up all these like big, you know, chunky emotions that we didn't necessarily know were there. <laughs> but like, it almost like, I feel like poetry is a key that unlocks um, the like the vulnerable part of us that needs mm -hmm. expression. Mm -hmm. And um, really, I mean, like, that's also like, we you know, when I'm looking at your words, I'm just like, yep, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Cause it's like, uh, as someone who's not always great at feeling like poetry is so necessary. So, you know, self-care for everybody listening. If you haven't read any poetry lately, go find yourself a new poet. Yes. Because yes. that just will, um, will change your life in a, in a way that like, you know, a few things do. It's like, it's like, um, I think poetry is also the best kind of theology too, you know? Yeah. This makes me want to ask you a question. Do you sure. write poetry? I do write poetry. Um, I don't often share it though. Like it's, it was one of those things where, um, you know, I wrote poems from the time I was 13 years old and can learn to like, you know, string a couple together. And then I was also like a very femme emotional child. And so, um, of course, like, you know, I had a composition notebook full of like love poems about like, the person I liked and how I felt. I was also like, I was doing the Avril Lavigne thing in like oh. the early 2000s. And so I was like a femme kid who's also deeply Christian, but also like wanted to wear those baggy, baggy black oh. pants and like dye my hair pink. I think we would have been friends. Yeah. <laughs> you say you're 31, right? Yeah. You said that I'm 31 as well. So okay, like, so we were at the same I, time. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we would have been friends. <laughs> Just based on what you're saying. Yeah, it's like it was. I was also the kind of person who like invited my friends to like the youth group thing, where like they, you hang out with the kids who are skateboarding, and then you eat pizza, and then they make you sit down and listen to a Jesus talk, and then you can go back to do whatever you want. That was my life. Um, there, yeah, there's some common yeah. threads here. <laughs> yeah, um, but I started writing poetry then, and I think it kind of evolved as I got older. Um, I listened to, I had a friend of mine in college who got me like listening to spoken word stuff and like mm. seeing poetry, like more as a, like what would the perform? Cause I recognize that I think I'm a better speaker than I am a writer. Mm. And so a lot of times I don't even know what I know until I write it down or speak it out loud. Yeah. And so oftentimes like, um, if, if it sounds good and I want it to like sound good in the ear, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I also recognize that like, you know, that's in some ways, interestingly ableist, maybe I'm trying to like really wrestle with like, it's, inter it's interesting that you say that because I actually finding out about my autism diagnosis. I found out that I have a sensory processing disorder as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just, Tons of overstimulation, always. Yeah. Um, and, and it is a disability. It absolutely is. Mm -hmm. However, it's interesting because when you said that, I actually interpreted it differently. I was mm. like, oh, yeah, words, because they're on page, but there's also a sound to it, even if they're not spoken. And the way, I don't know mm -hmm. how to explain it, but the yeah. words jump off of the page for me. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I know every person's wired differently, but I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know, like, the way I interpreted that was... Mm -hmm actually very similar to my experience because I 
I write, but I, it, I also am always thinking about what mm -hmm. it actually sounds like. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I, I can't really separate those two, mm -hmm. but yeah. No. And I, I think that maybe that has something to do with like our musician backgrounds too. And like mm -hmm. wanting to bring it all together in kind of like an auditory yeah you know because like you know I, I want it to be such such that um now I'm, the memory that just came to mind was actually a, it's a story it's like you know there was a pastor who once said i want to be like i want my music that i create to be like when david played the harp for king saul and it, it mm -hmm. caused the demons to go away and i'm like yeah that's what i want to do with my words and like with so like i want it to be like a, a healing presence that people feel in their physical bodies like i don't want it to be this like i don't want relief and peace to be just a mental exercise i want it to be a, a embodied experience mm. um going back to the original question i i have only performing and sharing poetry um i shared one poem in my book that i published and the only other time I've, t I've typically shared my poetry is at wild goose festival at the open mic night that my friend emily joy hosts every single oh, year wow. and so i get up and share poems and it's That's really awesome. fun so <laughs> i i didn't even i i found out about wild goose during the pandemic mm. and, there, and i know and that was honestly i had to look away because i was like that looks fun but it's not happening <laughs> so let me look away no that was like it was the most like it was very depressing like once I, I was so hopeful because like this 2020, I was like, I'm gonna have so many retreats. I was planning on going to Austin, I'm going to LA, we're going to Minneapolis, we're going to Canada, we're going to Australia. No, none of that. Um, you're gonna finish your damn degree, you're gonna figure out how you're gonna pay rent <laughs> and you're gonna keep going. Um, yeah, but but uh, it really, I don't know why I, why i shared that <laughs> oh we're talking about poetry and poetry yeah, and yeah. events and oh can... and events yeah yes. and, um while i love wild goose i've been going i was it would have been my sixth year sixth summer oh. um and for me like i will say like it is heavily white um and my poc friends and black friends are still showing up some of them not a lot yeah and they are also the people who are trying to make the changes among yeah. these nice, well-meaning white people. Yeah. It's just that sometimes goose goose leadership is real old. And I'm just like, y'all yeah. Yeah. switch it up, <laughs> change leadership. If you want this to be the thing, you need to let a black person lead. Just mm. point blank period. Yeah. What do I know? I'm just somebody who's been there for six years. <laughs> Anyways, but um, I went there, I met Sarah Heath there my first year and that's when we became BFFs. That's also when I met like, um, do you know Mike McCarg? And all them? No, I don't. I don't. I'm just like a super fan. <laughs> like, oh man, listen. I'm just I, like randomly tweet him here and there. I'm I am so socially awkward on the internet. It's really sad. <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't no, actually know him. <laughs> I don't think any. I think I mean like social awkwardness on the internet is like really kind of. At least for me, it's in my head. So I also I have to recognize also like I really try to take tone out of everything, mm. so that I don't get offended with people. Yeah. <laughs> at least at first, unless they're literally just being assholes to me, in which case I'll just tell them off. And then my favorite line to tell people is like, be nice or fuck off, please. Cause <laughs> like there are two, <laughs> you have two choices. <laughs> yeah. You have two choices here. It's just like, you are going to like, you know, not disrespect <laughs> yeah. me in my yeah. comment section. 
It's like go passionately fully in one direction or the yeah. other. <laughs> Please yeah. don't linger in the middle. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What does Jesus say in Revelation? Listen, what is it? You're hot nor cold. Not you're good yeah. for nothing. I'm gonna spit you out, bitch. Jesus didn't say bitch, okay? Just for y'all listening out there. Okay, so anyone was wondering. Yeah. Um can I ask, like, speaking of Jesus, like, uh, faith background at all? Like, you come yeah. from that kind of stuff? I am a preacher's kid. Yeah, I, come on, PKs. <laughs> yeah, I am a PK. I, but it's so funny, kind of the opposite of what we just said. I feel like I'm a really boring PK, and I have a very boring PK story because <laughs> I feel like I never went strongly in one direction or the other. You know, uh. I feel like a lot of PKs are like, I'm a rebel and I'm going to go the exact opposite direction of my parents or they're like, I'm they're inheriting the church. Yeah, I'm inheriting the church. Exactly. And I was just kind of like, actually, I just want to hang out in the middle and uh, and uh, I'll sing some songs. And that's kind of all I feel like. <laughs> I'm I fine. Yeah. Do you think that like the, the social anxiety and probably like undiagnosed autism stuff like can contributed to like, oh, I'm not going to sure. do more. I'm so like. And I mean this with all love, but I am so like overwhelmed by like mm-hmm. crowds of people. And it was very hard for me to navigate those spaces. It was a, a smaller church. It wasn't like a, a big church. So there was a lot of close contact. And I just always felt like I was just missing. You the needed cues. a break. Yeah, I just couldn't. Mm. I, I was just like, I, I don't feel like I'm doing this right. Um, so thankfully, and, and again, this is not every PK story. Thankfully, mm-hmm. I, I had parents who noticed that Mm -hmm. and they didn't try to push me too much to be more of what I just couldn't be I mean I'm so grateful that I had that because that's that's sadly rare um Mm -hmm. not a lot of people have that so for me I I grew up in a on the outside looking in it was a predominantly black church however it was very Mm -hmm. diverse there were a lot of people from south america from caribbean islands it was it was very very diverse a lot of um native spanish speakers in our church and it was always fascinating because you know there will be times uh, sometimes like a white person would be like oh it's a black church it's like it's so interesting how it's like okay yeah we all have the same skin complexion but there are so many cultures within mm-hmm. this one room um that's not just one you know monolithic experience so it was a very it was still very diverse like i felt like i was i grew up in a very diverse small church and um then i uh graduated and went to a predominantly white christian college uh, ooga. And, uh that was <laughs> that was a shift um i think <laughs> the way I, your eyebrows went into the stratosphere when you said that was a shift <laughs> Whew. and um it was interesting though because it was a shift that i was just like okay these people are just a little different like for some reason my reaction wasn't i don't know what it is but i was just it could have been dis- disassociating honestly because it was mm. so so drastically different um and again, just autism, I may not have even been able to regulate that properly. It was just a lot of like, okay, they're, they kind of do things different. Um, and I just kind of just stayed at bay from it a little bit, if that makes sense. I, right. Um, but I would say the, the biggest sort of like moment of crisis, of just like existential crisis, like, where do I fit? That came after college when... Mm-hmm. I went into a predominantly white contemporary Christian music space. Hell yeah, Um, dude. And that's where it kind of got a little rocky, where 
I kind of got into it with a similar mindset of just like, okay, um, that felt a little racist, but maybe that was just me. Um, just mm. kind of like not really. I'm like, oh, that feels, feels a little prejudiced, but uh, maybe, maybe I didn't see that. I, I don't know. Like mm. just a lot of because you know, if, a lot of second guessing. Yeah, a lot of second guessing myself. Um, and I, I'm not like someone who who challenges very verbally and outwardly. I'll I'll challenge things intellectually, like in my mind, like I don't know if I agree with that. But I've mm. never been one to like really kind of go out and speak about it. Uh, and then the 2016 election happened and I felt like that was, that was a breaking point. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I mean, just some of the things just posted on Facebook. I'm like, I'm not, I, I can't be associated with people. Like, this is not, this is not the version of Jesus that I, um, connect with at all. Um, and I got to a point where I, I, maybe I'm still at this point (laughs) of, of just, feeling really hard with just saying like mm-hmm. hey i'm a christian yo so, other listen. people like with with all that you might think comes with that i'm just like no i you know how did we get i mean this is such a broad broad but i mean i, I feel like you probably know what i'm saying of just like mm-hmm. how do we get from christian meaning trump supporter and not coming together and that's just one version of the story but mm-hmm. it's just like i'm not whoa like why are these things so overlapped why is this so assumed why is this okay Mm -hmm. and just really struggling with that and and getting to a point where i i feel like in the most blunt terms just like well fine then i'm just not gonna talk about faith listen i'm just not yeah that's that's honestly and i feel like i may still be there like even now um I didn't even realize, like someone asked me, like, why doesn't your your work feels very spiritual? Why don't you say God in it? And I was like, I don't even I didn't even realize I was doing that. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I was like, I think that could have been like internal, even struggling. I'm like, I don't want anyone Mm -hmm. to think that they're not welcome here. Mm -hmm. And because even that word God, unfortunately, has such a connotation now that so many people are they they hear that word and immediately think, oh, I don't Mm -hmm. belong here. Yeah. So for me, I feel like I'm in this place where on a, when I'm talking with like my, my family and because mm-hmm. it's interesting because my, my dad, my dad and like the way he would preach, for instance, like conversations about oppression and the gospel were always intersecting. That wasn't like, okay, how does the Bible apply to racial relations today? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's for us it is intersected. So mm-hmm. it, it it's is not like, it's not a separate issue. Yeah, it's not like, okay, well, everyone's talking about race now. So what's our race sermon gonna be? Mm-hmm. It's like it's <laughs> there's like, um, why hasn't the race race sermon should not be just a one-off occasion? Race should yeah. be a conversation that is happening. Yeah. On a critical level, not just from the pulpit. Yeah. And and I feel like it's it gets way too um just theorized and people want to intellectualize it. And I and I just struggle with that. I'm just like mm-hmm. like the conversations that and, I, and I'm even careful what saying because I even feel like some of these things I say could be triggering for someone listening, mm-hmm. but even just people who who may I people who like people who will love to have conversations about, you know, oh well. LGBT people in the church. And I'm just like, um, can we just start with the fact that we have like homeless teenagers who literally have been my, kicked my. out of their house? And it's like, 
why I don't have time to sit with you and talk about your scholarly dissertation when we literally have kids sleeping on the street because they came out to their parents and they got put out. I'm like, last I checked, Jesus talked about, did you feed me when I was hungry? Hmm. <laughs> did you clothe me? I'm like, I don't have time. Or to did talk you kick you. <laughs> me out when I told you who I was? Like that, and that is yeah. like that is the tea right yeah. there. I'm just like, <laughs> you're telling me that your version, how you interpret the Bible, says kick your kid out of the house if they even are possibly attracted to someone who has a gender similar to their own, if they want to dress differently than what is expected of a person with their body. Yeah. Like that's why it's very surprising to me. Like, and and what's so funny is like they have all these arguments of why to keep people from love and to keep people from treating people well. A couple months ago, my mom was here visiting. Um, I guess it wasn't a couple. It was October. It was a long time ago. Even 47 is, years ago. What is time? <laughs> what know, is time anymore? <laughs> listen, I have no idea. I'm just, uh. It is all a concept. Yeah. Um, but my mom came. We were driving along. And I can't remember how we got on the topic of it. I think somehow the topic of homeless queer youth came up. And my mother said, I don't really get that because I think Jesus made it very clear that love was the most important thing. And that's not loving. And I'm like, why is my mother a better theologian than John Piper? <laughs> my mama has a high school diploma. That's it. And that woman knows the gospel better than some of those ivory tower assholes. I struggle with it so much. I'm just... Mm -hmm. And I say this as a as an Enneagram five who loves to intellectualize and I love to theorize, but mm -hmm. I'm just like, this isn't the area to do that. Yeah. Like, You're a practical theologian. But... <laughs> I don't know if you know that. <laughs> well, hmm. no, seriously, because like the, the theologian that says, what the fuck does this have to do with my actual lived experience? How is this going to change? You know, what are we doing? How is it affecting us? And where do we need to change? That's all practical theology is asking. Yeah. Is I how, yeah yeah and that's how I because I have had many moments where people have tried to pin me into theological conversations and what I always come back to is just like the world is literally on fire. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> that's one layer. Let's just start with that. <laughs> um, I don't have we don't have time. Like we don't just have infinite time on this earth to sit and theorize about what everyone has said when. Like we said, we have homeless teenagers mm -hmm. sleeping on the street. We have black people being hmm. killed in the street. Hello. It's like, start there. It's like, we don't, we literally don't have time to talk about it. And I say that as someone who loves to talk about it. I love to read books. I love mm -hmm. to think it through. I love to theorize. But I'm like, this isn't the area to do that, though. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, time's up, I, baby. Yeah. And, and I think I, I do, I do credit my parents a lot for instilling that fire within me because I saw them not have a lot of preacher friends, mm. not have a lot of church network friends because they chose to prioritize. Let's serve the people that actually walk in the door and walk in off the street. Mm -hmm. And there were many, it, it was not abnormal because the church was in the double white trailer right on the edge of the mm. street across from the convenience store, liquor store that the whole community used. And so um, that that convenience store ended up burning down and it was never built back. But for years, that was 
how most people found out about the church. Like I did, it wasn't until I got <laughs> out of college and kind of into that, a different sort of world that I learned that churches have like marketing plans and they have like, so I can, I, can I make an observation real quick? Oh yeah, please. I feel like you actually grew up with like a legitimate Christian pastor for a parent who is actually like doing the work of, you know, Jesus on the earth. And then you went to Christian college and that you, you, nope, you realize, oh, they think Christianity is very different. Because it sounds like, because like you're saying this, like I was a very boring PK. It's like, no, it sounds like you had a healthy parent (laughs) relationship. Yeah. And kind of like on a funnier, lighter note of that, like when I got to college, I didn't know that like, uh, that churches or like worship settings had like set lists and like you like plan the songs like weeks before. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. I was like, well, how do we know? How are we gonna play? We don't know what's gonna happen between here. We don't know what this beer is. See, that was the same thing with me. I'm just like, listen, we can play it like, but like what happens when there needs, there's gonna be a praise break. Yeah. I know that. When, yeah. What happened? <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a lot from, from every aspect. I was like, oh, they, they really plan these set lists and like if you if they ask you to sing alto then you got to sing alto like don't 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 do anything don't don't be creative (laughs) don't don't like you think you're following the spirit but don't do it yeah so i learned i learned a lot of that (laughs) oh my gosh i got told okay so literally my favorite thing to do is like play with small little groups so like you know guitar bass drums or like you know like some sort of hand percussion and so, of course, in those moments, like, you know, you're playing the same damn four chords all over again. And, like, there's bound to be something creative. And I love to just, like, you know, prophetically worship or whatever. They told me to stop that. And I was like, but you literally taught me how to do this. So, like. <laughs> I was made for this. <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, I get it, like, now in hindsight. But long story short. All right. Um, glad we're not there anymore. Glad we're figuring it out. Um, but uh, come on out to uh, to queer camp next summer. We're gonna have a great time. It's for everyone, not just for queer folks, but for everybody. That's awesome. I, it's just gonna I, be very, very. It's like there's gonna be nothing straight about it. That's like it's like everyone's welcome. Just there's nothing straight. So that is awesome. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> I have so loved getting to talk to you and getting to connect with you. Um, so likewise, from likewise. me to you, thank you for your words and your poetry and your beautiful art. Honestly, like watching you and how you like I got I actually got myself an iPad and an i and a pencil and uh, what's it in Procreate and started painting yes. over like landscapes just because it looks it's so Oh, my fun. gosh. Yes. Yes. That's why I do it. Like, honestly, I get asked so much like Morgan. How do you stay motivated, inspired? I'm like, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm it like, really, yes, there's like a deeper part of it, but I was like, it's also just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> it very, very, um, it's very therapeutic. Like my other thing I've been doing, like what I was doing right before I called you, I was like, I'm coloring. Like, oh, I, that's so pretty. <laughs> I have 300, it's 365 mandalas. So I can oh my gosh, color how many have you done so far? Just two. <laughs> Oh, well, you open up to halfway through the book. I was like, man. Oh yeah, minute. like no, I just I go to the ones that just like look. I'm like, oh, I'll do that yeah. one, and it's then like, I pull I like them out. One. And then yeah. sometimes it's little apples. But anyways, um, coloring and then doing those things. I'm just like, ooh, this is. I just put on a podcast, and like my brain is like, all right, let's just yes. and also like experimenting in there. There's so many cool things you can do in Procreate. Oh yeah. Um, oh yes, that is awesome. I'm I'm yeah. so glad you're doing that. Yeah. I'll send you something sometime. You can like um, evaluate it. And I don't know. Anyways, I adore you. I like you so much. I want to be friends with you. So 
Come hang yes. out in Atlanta whenever yes. the world so, opens up again. Yes, that's very mutual. And yes, I, I can't I can't wait to get back. That was the last place I was before all this happened. And it was a super short trip. And I was like, I'll be back in a few months. Um, Lols. So. <laughs> Next time. Yeah, I can't, Next time. can't wait um, to make it back. <laughs> before we hang up, I want you to tell humans on the internet where they can connect with you and your work, please. Yes, I am Morgan Harper Nichols pretty much everywhere on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, <laughs> and MorganHarperNichols.com. And I have a, a book coming out called How Far You Have Come. It's so gorgeous. And you also have like a, like a, a 52-week affirmation card deck that's coming I out too. I do. Yes, yes, oh, yes. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, that's fucking dope. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I made that one in collaboration with, um, they're called French Studio. So I have to say that because they get the credit for actually coming up with the idea. Obviously, for sure. I wasn't that creative. I, I'm actually, all of my products, I actually don't, I'm like, it's hard for me to imagine it on things. Um, so they get, a, they get a lot of credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you what, there's like, there's so many times when I'm looking at my stuff, I'm like, but wait, like I just did I oh, whatever. I'm not I will I will fully admit, like I'm a I'm a very good talker. I'm a very good like creative. I'm not a very good business person. Oh, like man. I really need uh I need like a, a coach to I like I have like a mindset coach and I have like my therapist. And, yeah. I I'm right there with you. Like even so like my primary like business what like the thing that we have the most is my online shop. And even that I did, I couldn't even think of that simple thing. Like it was, it was actually, my husband was like, Hey, we should take some of your art and turn that into eight by 10 prints. And I was like, that's ridiculous. No one will want that. (laughs) I did. I just, I was, I was proven very wrong because people do buy art prints. So yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a struggle and I have to constantly try to collaborate and listen to other people's (laughs) ideas. Yes. Listen, we're going to nail it. We're going to pay off all of our student loans until Elizabeth Warren gets forgiven in Jesus' name. AOC, save us all. Um, (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to hit the stop now. conversation with the fantastic and just uh so delicious morgan harper nichols geez what a woman you know what i'm saying morgan thanks for coming on the podcast it was absolutely sensational and wonderful and if y'all listening enjoyed it please go over to uh the instagram follow morgan and buy their book of poetry it's called all the while you were blooming i believe and if i butchered that name i'm so sorry i don't have my notes in front of me anymore Anyways, um, follow Morgan at Morgan Harper Nichols across social needs. And uh, while you're at it, share this podcast conversation with somebody you know would love it, who would get inspired, who would feel a little less alone. Uh, because that's what we're trying to do here, to start a little tiny revolution in everybody's life by showing us, just showing off that it's pretty ordinary, you know? You are a tiny revolution every day. Um, If you want to engage in deeper spiritual community, we've got that going on over in the Patreon community at patreon.com slash thekevingarcia. It's not just a way to support this podcast, but a way for you to engage in spiritual reformation and transformation to get rid of your bullshit and finally 
kind of get spiritually unstuck. We're figuring out how to do that together. Join us for a Saturday church brunch. Join us for book club where we're talking about Bad Theology Kills this Thursday night. It's a sliding scale from 11 to $33. So honestly, if you love the work, please support the work because at the end of the day, it doesn't happen if uh, if you don't, if we don't come together and do it, you know? So, because this shit ain't free. <laughs> Anyways, I love you. So once again, if any of that interests you, or if you love the show, please go to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. Or if you just want to send me a little tippy tip, um, the cash app, the Kevin Garcia, Venmo, PayPal, it's all at the Kevin Garcia. Send me a bone. I would love it. Uh, I love you. You're amazing. Until next time, please take your meds, call your person, drink some water, move your body in a way that feels good, eat something delicious, and um, really seriously figure out what you're going to do to get vaccinated. Because guess what? Joe Biden says that in May, everybody gets to get one. So you better get ready for it so that we can have a hot girl summer, a thought boy summer. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, (laughs) I love you. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.